Welcome to the Grace Family International Church Podcast Service. This message is by our senior pastor, Reverend Diola Ojo. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Right, so we've been taking our series on attitude for higher altitude. And um, today we're going to conclude by the grace of God. Amen. So how many of you already have the book Frog in a Kettle? Let me see. Can you please put up your hands right up? Right up, right up, right up. Right. Okay, so I see that quite a number of us still do not have the book. Yeah. Um, let me have a copy of the book from the from the book. From the book stand. How many of you you bought a copy? Oh, thank you very much, Prof. Thank you. How many of you you bought the book since the series started? Let me see. Wow, let me try again. Since the series started, you bought a copy of the book. Okay, I know we've only taken this series one second service. All right, so but we've taken it twice first service. Everybody needs to get a copy of this book. It's 1,000 Naira only. Is it 1,000 Naira? It's 1,000 Naira only. It's very, very cheap. It's too cheap, actually. But this book can be a lifesaver, can be a relationship saver. Amen. It's going to ensure that you really, really are a genuine believer, serving God for the right reasons. Okay? And this book will also save you a lot of heartache. It will save you a lot of heartache. I actually encourage you to also buy copies for people that you know. All right? For people that you know. You know, we've been taking this series, but obviously we haven't covered everything in the book. And there are some things that I've shared um, because I have some new revelation. And so, therefore, I didn't share some things in the book because I expect you to actually have a copy of the book for yourself and read it. Okay? The Bible says, buy the truth and what? Sell it not. Now, let me say to you that if you're a member of this church, every book that we have written, if you're a good member, every book that we have written, you will have a copy of it. Not only will you have a copy of it, you will have read it if you are a good church member. Please help me ask your neighbor, are you a good church member? Thank you, Prof. Ask another neighbor, are you sure you are? Thank you, Prof. Are you sure that you are a good church member? All right, I hope so. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Somebody says, Pastor, are you trying to sell books? Yes. Okay, yes. But to help your mind, the money is not going to me personally. Okay? All right? It's going to the ministry. It gets transferred, even the ones from Jimsy, gets transferred to the ministry account. So that, that's just to help your mind. Okay? At least that's what we're doing here. So, because you know, from time to time, people come with all kinds of ideas. Especially if you read all kinds of negative things about churches in social media. They just assume every pastor. The only thing they are interested in is money. <laughs> okay? Um, by the time you followed these pastors for a while, even when you follow us for just six months, you come to the conclusion that, okay, there may be so many other pastors that they are in it for, but these ones, ah, they are not in it for the money. Okay? We're just interested in helping you to be all that God has called you to be. And when you follow God with all your heart, with all your soul and mind, you will be all that God has called you to be. And what God has called you to be is to excel, is to succeed, is to be outstanding in whatever area of life that God has ordained for you to be. When you follow him with all your heart, that's what will happen. There are no failures in God. Okay? There are no failures in God. In whatever sector that God has put us in, all of us will excel in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? So this morning we'll be do, dealing with heart health and wealth. Heart health and what? And wealth. Most precious Father, we thank you for this time that we'll be looking into your word. Lord, we pray that you will enable each and every one of us to become all that you purpose for us to be from the beginning. 
that our destinies will be fulfilled in the mighty name of Jesus. That each one of us will fulfill the calling that you have placed on our lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, as I preach this morning, I pray for a cleansing of the heart in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that revelation knowledge will speak. I pray that each one will hear your voice directly from heaven and that they will be all that you have ordained for them to be. In Jesus' mighty name. And the church shouts, Amen and Amen and Amen. The health of your heart determines your true wealth. The health of your heart actually determines your true wealth. And I like to say your true worth. Your true worth is not determined by how much money you have, how many houses you have, what kinds of natural privileges that you think that you are surrounded with. Those are not the things that actually show your true worth. But what shows your true worth is the state and the condition of your heart. And that's why you have a lot of people that may have a lot of money, but in the sight of God, they are worth very little. May you be worth a lot in the sight of God. Amen. Now, you've got to keep your heart healthy at all times. Your heart must be in a perfect state and remain in a perfect state. Your heart must be in what kind of state? Perfect state. Perfect state. You see, a perfect heart is a beauty to behold. Because when you have a perfect heart, everything you do pleases God and pleases those who are sincerely on the Lord's side. Amen. Beautiful to behold. You see some people who should be um, agitated, quarrelsome, even in very painful situations, you still find out that ah, they're still cheerful. There's something about this person's heart. And you see some people who have virtually everything that you can think of on this earth. And then they are grouchy. They are quarrelsome. They are painful. And then you're wondering to yourself, what's going on? It's not the money. It is what? It is the heart. It is the heart. Now, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro over the face of the earth to show himself strong on the behalf of him or them whose heart is what is perfect towards him. When the Bible says God's eyes move to and fro, meaning that God is looking this way and he's looking that way and he's looking and he's examining and he's looking for someone to pick. Listen carefully to me. The assignments of God are not exhausted, but the people with a good heart are limited. The great assignments that God has for his people, the great things that God wants to do, the breakthroughs, the enlargements, there are no limits to it. There are still so many things that God wants to do. But when it comes to the children of God who have prepared their heart for God to be able to select them, they are what? They are very few. They are very few. <laughs> Somebody say, hmm, say, hmm. Wow. Now, when the Bible says God's eyes move to and fro, as God is moving and he's looking, he's looking for you, he's looking for me. He's examining me and he's examining you all the time. All the time. You see, when some people vacate seats, some other people are expected to fill those seats. But why should God pick you to fill that seat? It is because he finds something in your heart that is right and is useful. And if when he looks at you, he doesn't find what is right and what is useful, then you are omitted until another season. And some seasons are seven years, some seasons are 21 years. Are you listening to me? There are some seasons that are not every year. Some seasons are years, some seasons are decades. Meaning that if your heart should be in this perfect state at a particular time, see, when there's an open door for a very high position, but your heart is not right at that time, that position may not be open again until 13 years. And that's why it looks as if some Christians are praying and praying and wondering, ah, oh God, hey, why does it look as if I'm in the same state? Because when the time of your promotion came, your heart was not in the state that God would give you that promotion. God will test us. God will test us. And there are different areas that God tests. The first area I want us to look at this morning is the area of an assignment. God will test you with an assignment. He will give you a job. 
He will give you instructions to carry out a particular assignment for him, and it will be a test of your heart. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 16 to 23. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 16 to 23. When God gives you an assignment, how do you respond to that assignment? Here was Saul, that God had made into a king, the first king of Israel, actually. And then God sent the prophet to him and said, look, I'm going to send you on a journey. Amalek attacked my people, worked against my people, and their time of judgment is now up. And I want you to go and go and attack Amalek. Look at verse 2, 1 Samuel chapter 15. He said, thus is the Lord of hosts. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek. And what? What's that next phrase? Go and smite Amalek and what? And utterly destroy. Take note. Utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together, numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And he came to the city of Amalek and he laid wait in the valley. The first thing he did was to tell the Kenites to depart from the Amalekites, lest it destroys them with them. And then the Bible says in verse 7, he smoked the Amalekites from Avila until you come to shore. And he took Agad, the king of Amalekites. How, how did he take him? Are you there? Are you with me? Verse 8. How did he take him? What was the instruction of God? Do you know there are a lot of us who we act like we're obeying God, but we're not. We act like it. In fact, somebody looking at us from the outside say, ah, this person is really obeying God, but that person is not really obeying the complete instruction of God. You saw Saul at that battle, you say, ah, Saul is obeying God, isn't it? But is he really obeying God? <laughs> now, the Bible says in verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings. What type did they spare? What type? What quality? The best. What did God tell them? Destroy how many? Everything. Now, let me ask you a question. When God was telling them to destroy all, do you think God knew there were some good things in that land or not? Did God know? Yes. Yet the instruction God gave is all. I'll give you a practical example. So there's somebody who claims he's born again. Maybe he's a guy. He has six girlfriends. God tells him, break off every relationship with those girls. Every. I don't want you to be in a relationship. He breaks the relationship with how many? And he leaves how many? Has he obeyed God? In fact, the one he left is a born-again Christian. Has he obeyed God? Has talked to me, brethren. If you are not guilty, let's talk this morning. So he breaks off from five. He leaves the one. And he says to God, God, but you know this one, you say we should not be yoked together. You know, I found out that some people will be disobeying God and they will be quoting scripture back to God. <laughs> Why did God say to him, break off all the relationship? Because he's sleeping with all of them. And the fact that there's one he has now decided to reserve, that he's born again, claiming that he's born again. Is he going to stop sinning? No. All right. I'm just trying to bring it home. Because sometimes, oh, God, God will not ask me to go and destroy people physically. Yeah? In this time and age, God will not ask us to destroy people physically. But God will ask you to cut off some relationships that are ungodly, that are unproductive. Are you listening to me? If you're a wife and you have a friend who is always teaching you to stand up to your husband, and my husband, if he shouts at me, I will slap him three times. And God says to you, cut off that kind of relationship. How many of you know there are those kind of relationships? And then you don't cut it off. You say, well, what I will just do is that I just won't let her advise me in that way anymore. But I will still be friends. You have disobeyed God. Anyhow. So, everything that was vile and refuse, they utterly destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, verse 11, it repented me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he is turned back from following me. And has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. 
And he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul comes to Camel. And behold, he set up a place, he's gone about, he's passed on, he's gone to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and said, Saul said to Samuel, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Then Samuel said, What's the meaning of the bleating of the sheep in my ears? And the lowing of the oxen which I hear. And Saul said, They! <laughs> you see, once you see somebody who's always trying to blame other people for his own mistake, you know there's a wrong heart. Anyone who does not like to take responsibility. Let me ask you a question. Who did God send on this assignment? Who did God give instructions? Who was the leader? But then now that the prophet comes, the first thing he does is to greet the prophet. I have found out that not everybody greeting you as a pastor really has your best interest at heart. Some people can kneel down for you from... They can give you respect, but it doesn't mean they are following the Lord. Anyhow. (laughs) So Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people speared the best of the sheep and of the oxen. Emagbo. To do what? To sacrifice the Lord. Ah, God, you know. You know I would not have stolen the money from that company. It's because convention is near. And the church needs money. You think if God needs to manufacture dollars himself and throw them, you think he cannot do it? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. And what? The fullness. Everything that is on the face of the earth belongs to God. Anyhow. All right? Then, verse 16. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Sion. And Samuel said, When you were little in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel? Let me just stop and say this. Make sure you form this attitude of always being little in your own sight. It's very critical to you maintaining a perfect heart before God. As your status is changing, and that's part of the ways God will test you, by the way. Okay? You must remain how? Little. In your own sight. In your own sight. As more people are giving you honor, don't let the honor get to your head. Keep yourself small in your own sight. As you are having some experiences you've never had before. And some experiences, people who are your mates, people who are your colleagues, people who are your relatives are not having. Remember also to be what? Little. In your own sight. Don't begin to get to that point where you feel, Woo! I'm self-made. I'm a super, 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 super person. Mm-mm. Little. In your own sight. So God said, when you were little in your own sight was when I promoted you and I made you head. Of the tribes of Israel. And I anointed you king over Israel. Look at verse 18. And the Lord sent you on a journey and said. Go and not only destroy the sinners the Amalekites. And fight against them till they be consumed. Wherefore then did you not obey the voice of the Lord. But you flew upon the spoil. And you did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel. Yes. This is the worst part of it. Yes. I have what? I have what? Brethren. Did he obey? said, yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and I've gone the way which the Lord sent me and I've brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the, the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, as the Lord had great delight, does the Lord have great delight in bond offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than what? And sacrifice. And to hearken is better than what? Than the fat of rams. For rebellion. Every time we disobey the Lord, we're in rebellion. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being a king. Hmm. May the Lord not reject us. But let's understand that. God will test us by giving us an assignment. When he gives you that assignment, make sure you understand the instructions and follow the instructions. Don't 
Try to use your own head. You know, and li- listen to this again. Don't allow people to sway you from the instructions of God. There are some people who always come to you and say, ah, don't act like a fool. Don't be foolish. You see, you know what God has told you. You know what instruction God has given you in righteousness. You must stick with that instruction in righteousness. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Stay with the instruction of God. And you should be able to always give a pushback and say, no, this is what God told me. And I will obey what God told me. Remember that nobody else, listen to this, nobody else is going to be held responsible for the instruction that God has given you. Nobody else. You will be solely held responsible. Having said that, that's not to say that people cannot counsel you and cannot advise you. All right? Because you really must be sure that this is God that is speaking. You see, in this scenario, the established, there was already an established pattern. Remember that it was the same Samuel the prophet that anointed him to be king. It was the one who told him God has called you to be king. So there was already a proven track record of how God speaks to Saul. So there was no question about the instruction that God was given him. Because you have to be clear about it. I'm saying that because sometimes one of us will say we've heard God and it's not God. Okay, but in this instance, he knew that it was God. He was not arguing that maybe it was not God and all that. Yet, the people who were under him were the ones who were telling him, this is the way to go, or that's not the way to go. Follow God. Tap three persons around you and tell them, follow God. Say, God will test you with an assignment. God may say to you, go and wash that other person's clothes. It's an assignment. You say me. Ah, wash whose clothes? It's an assignment. If you know how God speaks to you, and God told you that clearly, then obey it. It's an assignment. You see, what you don't realize is when sometimes when you feel so big to serve, you don't know what position God is moving you to. That so many other people who right now are higher than you will now need to serve you. What I'm saying, does it make sense? So before God will now give you that position, he will also test you with the assignment. Let us see how you yourself will behave first before I lift you in that position. All right. The next way God tests us is fading glory. Fading glory. You used to be popular before, but you are no longer popular. Tap your neighbor. Say, neighbor, what if you become more popular? How will you take it? But, but say, but neighbor, what if you become less popular? How will you also handle that? You see, with God, there are times and seasons. There are what? Times and seasons. If you are always the one in the limelight, when will it ever be the turn of other people? Let me also say this to you. Sometimes God takes you out of the limelight for a while to give you a time to refresh. And when you don't realize that, and you just keep going full steam by, by, by hook or crook, I must still continue to be in the limelight. There are some politicians who never retire. <laughs> Hello. They start from being what? Talk to me now. They start from being what? House of rep. Then they go from there to what? Eh? They go from where to what? To what? Governor. Then they go from governor to what? Senate. Then they go from Senate to what? You see, the day the young people in any country, and I'm not just talking about our country, this happens even in America. Because for senators, for instance, in the U.S., there's no limit to terms. So you see, some of them, they're already 80-something. They can barely remember who they are or what they are doing. They are still there. Because I'm going to be thinking, Pastor, are you criticizing politicians in Nigeria? No. It's all politicians everywhere. There needs to be a time when one realizes, you know what? Let's allow other people to do this. Let's allow some young people to be governors. Let's allow some young people to be senators. Let us pray and hope they will not steal the post dry. (laughs) When they get there. Uh, 
Mm, somebody say, mm. Sometimes God will test us with fading glory. Where our big short status will become small shots. Where a celebrity becomes what? A celebrity. <laughs> it happens. It happens. And it's a test of the heart. It's a test of the heart. Because you know people who don't have a right heart. When they are celebrities before, and now becomes somebody is reckoning, now becomes like somebody is reckoning with them. Then they start looking for people to pull down. That's how you know their heart is not right. Listen to me. If you were a celebrity before, and you are becoming a yeye Briti, why don't you change it and become a yeye Briti? Come on now. And be in a position that you now understand that, look, I'm a mother now. What I need to do now is to nurture other people. Let's celebrate Jesus. Number three. God will test you with hardship sometimes. Hardship. Anybody feeling any hardship yet? Anybody? Nobody by the grace of God. But let me announce to you, sometimes we feel hardship. Sometimes. Sometimes. Maybe a short time. But it's all part of God's test. For some people, their love for God is not evident. Actually, for all of us, our love for God is not evident until we go through difficult times. Yeah. Because when everything is okay, how do we know you really love God? Help me ask your neighbor, do you really love God? Ask them, how do you know that you love God? Let them tell you. How do you know? Tell me how you know that you love God. How do you know you love God? Hello? How do you know you love God? Talk to me. How? Do you love God? Are you sure you love God? How do you know? How? Huh? Because what? Because you... No distress. <laughs> I like that. You know what they said? They had no choice. How do I know I love God? I don't have a choice. I have to love him. Either which way. Either which way. When everything is going well, sometimes God will bring a little, he will permit, let me put it that way, he will permit a little hardship. And if you start complaining, ah, it shows to God your heart is not perfect towards him. Everything has been going on. Well, one decade, two decades, three decades. And something now happens that makes you uncomfortable. Eh? Now I have the mouth to be saying, ah, God. Eh? Ah, God, how can you allow this to happen to me? Eh? So it should keep happening to other people. Receive some good things, some great breakthroughs, and you said, Ah, and God, why are you giving me this breakthrough? When there are other people, how many of us that does that occur to? Ah, we are waiting for the next breakthrough. We go from breakthrough to breakthrough. Ah, mm. you know, there's this song we sing No matter what I face, when success comes my way, I hope that's not the real song. The person who wrote the song, that's not what he wrote. That's not what we sang for years. This new generation of Christians are the ones who changed the song. New gen- I call them new generation. New gen. They don't know anything. Say, no matter what I face, when troubles come my way, I will praise the Lord. When troubles come my way, I will praise the Lord. And by the way, it's not if, it is when. Jesus Christ himself said in the world, you will suffer what? But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Because at the end of it all, what you will still do is that you will overcome. But it will come. And you must be prepared before it comes. 
And when it comes, your heart must still be pure and sincere before God. No complaining, no murmuring, no grumbling. Uh, and nothing like bitterness or becoming caustic. There are some people you can tell when they have money. God help you if you meet them when they don't have money. In fact, let me tell you this experience. We just had it a few days ago. So we went to this ice cream place and um, we're getting ice cream. I sent, you know, some of the people to get some ice cream and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm thinking time is going. You know, senior pastor is at home. He's expecting us back at a particular time. And so I call them. And they're like, oh, we're ready. We're coming now. And I call them again. Like, oh, we're ready. I said, look, you really need to come. So I decided to, you know, reverse the car a bit and turn the car in a way that I'll be able to get out easily. Now, there was another car that I had stayed in that position for, for a while. Maybe for like four, five minutes. Now, there was another car that was reversing and it was going to get out. I was not behind this car. In fact, there was probably like maybe one car or so. Anyhow, what did he start doing? He deliberately started reversing like he would reverse into me. Ah. I'm looking at where the security man is looking for And he's reversing kind of like, you know, seriously with this aggression. So I reversed my, my car. Ah, then the security man said to me, eh, uh, okay, uh, it's okay now. Maybe you can say, ah, no. Let's make sure he has gone first. <laughs> so he too just burst into laughter. You know, what's going on? Is it me he's angry with? No, he doesn't know me. He doesn't even realize I'm there. He doesn't even know who is the occupant of the car. What's going on is that he's going through some issues, most likely financial issues. And so anything in his way at that time with this limited fuel he has in his car. <laughs> He's ready to cross whoever is in the way. And then he now looks at the car. He sees the quality of the car. And how clean the car is. And he's wondering. <laughs> okay, I reverse. <laughs> I want to say respect. <laughs> but what does that show? It shows a heart. That is not perfect towards God. You cannot take out your aggression on someone else when you are going through hardship. Okay? You still have to honor people. You still have to love people. You still have to be considerate of people. You know, sometimes when I'm driving and I see somebody driving aggressively, I've learned to train myself to just think, hmm. I don't know what they are going through. Maybe something bad just happened in their life and they're just reacting to that. I mean, we know there are times that you're trying to get, um, you're trying to ask someone for right of way to give you a chance to maybe get onto the lane. And you see somebody, when they wreck their car, move the car, I like, Just advise them, okay, okay, it's okay, please. <laughs> the, the next person will give me, you know, um, chance to pass. Well, there was a time that when you rev your car at me like that, ah, that's when the lion in me rises up to. I will rev my car too. That when I really think because I'm a woman, I can't drive. How many of you know that generally men generally think women cannot drive? And they're always trying to chance us. Abby? So before, I will also rev. Yes, you block me, block me, and I'll give you one look like if you scratch me. But all things have passed away. Hallelujah. So when we're going through hardship, what's the test? You've got to be able to praise God through your pain. You've got to be able to what? Praise God through your pain. Then God knows that you're not just serving him because things are okay. Number three, the third test. That God allows us to go through to check our heart is increased test. Increased test. Increase. Enlargement. Sudden breakthrough. Some people do well in hardship, but fail miserably in surplus. And that's why the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 8, from verses 11 to 14. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 to 14. The Bible says, when you've built goodly houses, when your flocks have multiplied, when your herds have multiplied, your silver and gold have multiplied, all that you have is what? Is multiplied. Don't now begin to say in your heart, 
that the power of my hands has gotten me this wealth. He said, but you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he that gives you what? The power to get wealth. That he may establish with you his, his covenant. Let me ask you a question this morning. How will you behave if you suddenly receive one billion US dollars today? Suddenly. You get a contract, what, about five billion US dollars? And they give you an upfront immediately. Say, so we want the project to start right now. We want you to start supplying us Gary and Rock Cassava. Both. Hallelujah. And we want a nice kind of urgent. So we're going to send you money because the next ship leaving the shores of Nigeria, within two days, we want these consignments to start moving. One billion US dollars. One billion. How many of you can supply cassava? How many of you have supplied cassava before? <laughs> you know what I say? How many of you have supplied cassava? I say, ah, we will supply. <laughs> we, will, we don't need to have done it before. This is what we can supply. We will supply it. One billion US dollars. Virtually overnight. They just get that. How will that change you? You just he gets a call. Let's start with how will you treat if you are married? How will you treat your spouse when you have a billion that's landed in your account? Yesterday, to get money from him as a wife, you knelt down on your two knees. Please help me add money to this money for the house. Eh? My darling, you are my superpower. You are my strength. You are my champion. You are my. Eh? You are my you are my power bank. I like that one. You are my power bank. You are my ATM. You are my emperor. Please, darling, please. Just had hundred thousand. Please. And he had looked at me and like hundred thousand, hundred thousand. The one I added last month, what happened? Manage it. Eh? And you're begging again. Oh ah, you even decide to sing. Okay, okay, okay. Isha gives you fifty K. One billion has now landed. He now comes. He now next month, he doesn't know yet. I say, hey. So by the way, the 50,000 I gave you, I hope you are managing it well. Don't come again before the end of um, October to ask for any extra. Ah, come on, come on, come on. Hey, hey. How many ladies will still kneel down and say, oh, honey, I, I still thank you. I appreciate what you did yesterday. How many will say? How many will say, neighbor? <laughs> huh? How many will just bring one funny for Neff from somewhere? Excuse me. You're talking to me. Please respect yourself. The fact that we live together does not mean you should disrespect me. Just in case you don't know. I may be your wife, but I'm not your doormat. Guess what? Calculate all the money you've ever given me since we got married. Calculate it. I'm transferring it back to your account right now. And by the way, just so you know, we, my children and I, we're moving out. If you want to, you come and join us. Say, ah. How would you behave if there's just sudden breakthrough? Even to your children or to your parents. How would you behave to friends? How will you behave to church members? It's a test. It's a test. That's not the end of the journey. Are you listening to me? It's not the end of the journey. It's just a test to see if 500 billion will now manifest by next year. Oh, who is receiving that? Increased tests. 
Will you still respect the authority that God has set about even your pastor? So who will get that kind of breakthrough? They just get a call huh? from senior pastors. They just get a call. We just want to greet them. Just look at the call. Look at I think they must have heard. <laughs> That's why they're calling. They must have heard. Mm. Increase test. Don't fail that test. Amen? Now, when God increases you, what does he expect you to, to do? He expects you to be generous towards him. He expects you to acknowledge him as your source. That's the first thing. I didn't get this by the power of my hands. I didn't get this by my intelligence. I didn't get this any other way, but that God was just having mercy on me. And to him be all the glory. The next thing will be, God, how do you want me to use these resources? Because a part of whatever increase has come, there will be profit, isn't it? It's not the one billion dollars that has come in that is, supposed, that is going to be for you. You're supposed to use it to execute the project. So maybe your profit is 10%, maybe your profit is 15%, whatever you know, percentage you think your profit is, is from that one. You ask God, God, what do I do with this? Remember the story of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, verse 20. The Bible says, what happened? He had planted. He was already a rich man. But then he planted and he had a harvest that was absolutely unusual. Huge harvest. Overflowing harvest. And the Bible says, what did he now say? He said, ah, what will I do with all this money? Yeah. What am I going to do? I'm going to build bigger and greater bands. I'm going to store up everything that I have. And then I'm going to say to my soul, 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 thou hast many goods. Laid up for what? For many years. And God said to that person, thou fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. Why? You can talk about the goods. You can talk about the riches. But when you get to thou soul, the soul does not belong to you. The soul belongs to God. And then God said, ah, okay. The one that is mine, let me now take it. And so what happened? That is what will now happen to all his riches. It becomes a waste. God will test us with increase. When he tests us with that increase, what he wants from us is greater generosity. Greater generosity. Generosity towards God. Generosity towards people. Right. Next. What's the next test that God will give us? The other tests are in the book, so please get the book. Right. But the final one I'm going to take today is Isaac. The Isaac test. The Isaac test. Sacrificing what seems impossible to give. That's the Isaac test. That's the Isaac test. Sacrificing what? What seems impossible to give. When God asked for Isaac, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, let's go to it. It looked like this was an impossible thing because this was the only child he was now left with. And God said to him, look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, and he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you what? Whom you love. The Isaac test is always about who you love or what you love. The Isaac test is never about something you don't care about. There are some things you don't care about that, you know, you are not attached to. And God will say, give. Uh, and like, it's not difficult to get it out of your hands. But then there are some things that is like, almost as if your soul is attached to this thing. So he said, this is your son whom you love. Take him. Go into the land of Moriah and do what? Offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. Look at verse 3. And Abraham did what? He rose up early in the morning and he saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he carried the wood for burnt offering. He rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide you here with us. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will what? Provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. 
Now, how many of you would expect that once they got to the place, since he has said God will provide the lamp, when do you expect God to have provided the lamp? As soon as they got there, isn't it? But they got there, there was no lamp. Okay? But what was the instruction God gave him? Remember what we talked about assignments before? What was the instruction God gave him? Go and do what? Go and sacrifice your son. Your only son. So, as is the man of sacrifice, he made sure everything he would use for the sacrifice, he carried his along. When he got there, he had told his son, when the son was wondering, what's, what, Dad, what's going on? This is a little strange. He said, don't worry. I know this God. He will provide the lamp. I know him. But then, they got there. There was no lamp. What's the next thing he did? He tied the son together. Ah. Laid the wood in order. Next thing, what did he do? He placed the son on the altar. The son too is there. God will provide himself a lamp. God will provide himself a lamp. God, you see this new generation Christians. <laughs> Come on now. This new generation Christians say, ah, if they are sending you. Ah, you did not meet me at all. So God wanted to ask you to sacrifice. He couldn't tell you to sacrifice yourself. It's me. God is not saying it's like, yeah. But you see, let me tell you. I believe from a young age, he had told Isaac even the story of his conception and his birth. You are not an ordinary child. God supernaturally appeared and said, you will come. And that's why you are. And this God has never failed us. You know so that's why when the boy knew that normally, I'm sure they'd been going to sacrifice. He's seen his father sacrifice before. That's why he was like, ah, I know we have all the things for sacrifice. Where's the lamb? And his father told him, God will provide for himself. He will provide the lamb. The boy believed. It was enough for him. Mm. So the Bible says, tied him up. He laid him there. And what's the next thing he does? Takes the knife. As he is about to cut Isaac. Hmm. Verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do you anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, just like he had told his son, behind him there was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram. And what did he do? He offered up the ram for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said today, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Look at verse 16. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing, I will what? I will bless you. In multiplying, I will what? I will multiply. I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sun which is upon the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You see how God kept on mentioning seed, seed, seed. And who was that seed? In this instance, it was Isaac, but of course, it's going to extend to the seed of Jesus Christ. And now we, all of us too, will be part of that blessing and part of that promise. You see, that seed that cooperated even with the father's sacrifice. The father could have been chasing him all over the place, but he cooperated because he also had faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. He cooperated because he had faith. He cooperated. He stayed in place. He stayed in position because he had, he had faith. And just as Abraham had told the people that he will come back in return, look at verse 18. And in thy seed, and in thy seed, shall what? Shall all the nations of the earth be blessed? Because you have what? Because you have obeyed my voice. All the nations will be blessed because of this obedience. The obedience of what? The obedience of the sacrifice of what will cost us. Amen? Sometimes God will ask you to give what you think you can never give. Now, let me say this, that God will never test us with evil. Nowadays, God does not even take sacrifice of animals. So he can never ask for physical sacrifice of a human being. Amen? 
And you still see that even when God asked there, did God allow him to kill the child? You know that the child could have been killed and then the child could have been raised. But to let you know eternally that God does not take human sacrifice, God did not even allow the child to be killed in the first instance. He gave a replacement. Amen? He gave a replacement. Now, listen to this. When God asks for that thing that you think that you can never ever give, give it to him. It may be money. It may even have to do with a child, a child of yours that God has called to the ministry. I don't always say, ah, I cannot call my child to be full-time, a full-time minister. No. So let's go and let God. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Hmm. Why does God test our hearts to gauge our progress? To gauge our progress. To measure where we are at. God will test our hearts. Number two, to reveal what you need to improve on. To reveal what you need to improve on. God will test you. To reveal what you need to improve on. So it will test you to gauge your progress. It will test you to reveal what you need to improve on. Number three, to prevent us from making a bigger fool of ourselves. God tests us sometimes so that we do not make a bigger fool of ourselves. It tests us with something little. And if we take it to that test, all right, then we don't make a bigger fool of ourselves. Number four, to show that you are not ready for the promotion you are desperately praying for. Sometimes we are not ready. Although we're praying, we're fasting, we're not ready. So when we do that test and we find out that, ah, we didn't quite measure, it lets us go back. It lets us go back and rehearse again and learn again and practice again until we get to that point that we can really handle what God is giving us. Number five, to play fair. To play fair. Because God is a perfect God of justice and is fair to everyone. The reason why God seems to be promoting some people above others, amen, is because they are passing the test that others are not passing, if it is God that is promoting them. So God will test us. He will allow us to go through some tests to play fair. Next, number six, to select the best candidates. To select the best candidates for the job. God will test us sometimes to select the very best candidates for the job. Amen? To select, the, to select the best candidates for the job. Number seven. Number seven. Why would God test us or allow us to go through tests? To get us ready for the upcoming promotion. To get us ready for the upcoming promotion. So sometimes there's a huge promotion that is coming. And God wants us to be ready to handle it. Sometimes we say, oh God, you know, I want to be in authority here. God, I want to have this amount of money. God, I want to have this great influence over people. But guess what? God may first give you a small promotion in your place of work. Listen to this. And then when God gives you that small promotion in your place of work, and people do not cooperate, how do you relate with them? If you pass that test, how many of you know it's not every time you move up that people are happy for you? How many of you know that? No? There are some people that, in fact, they, the, more you, the more you do well, the sadder they become. I had a friend of mine told me some years back, it's easier to cry with me than to laugh with me. I said, eh. Hey. Well, you know, I just took it lightly. I just laughed, honestly. I just took it lightly. The person is still my friend in today. Because for me, that there is the test. It's not a test of that person's heart. How I react to it is a test of my own heart. If I now make up my mind and say, eh, forever, this person becomes my enemy, I feel the test. How many, 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 many more will one come across in one's work in life? The person said that maybe when I was just, when I just finished university. How many, 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 many more people will one come across in life who are really, really not happy that one is doing well? You have to make up your mind. 
Because you know where God is taking you is still very, very far. And it's still very, very high. So you don't allow anybody to deter you. Oh, somebody is not happy. Try your best to make them happy, but keep going. Hallelujah. Try your best, even if they will, to come along with you. But what? Keep going. Amen? And keep going with purity of heart. Keep going with sincerity. Keep going with love for them. Always remember that whenever God blesses you, those who were your friends before, you must try your best too to allow them to climb up with you. You give them some of these blessings that you have. You give them some of the tips. Has God permitted you? Do you understand? Why? Your heart is what? Your heart is pure. Your heart is pure. Glory to God. Right? So to get us ready for the upcoming promotion, we go through some tests. So understand that many times when you get to that junction, it's actually not about that junction. It's about a higher, a higher place. And this is just what? It's just a stepping stone to get to that higher place. So don't allow anything to deter you. There are times people will be nice. There are times people will be nasty. Either which way, you can always make up your mind. I'm going to be what? I'm going to be pure enough. Finally, why does God test us? To save us from eternal judgment. To save us from what? From eternal judgment. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. When you're going through that test, and you pass the test, as you pass from test to test, as you take it and you learn from failed tests, what will happen ultimately is that you don't fail on the final judgment day. When a teacher comes to class without informing the students, I say, everybody, close your textbooks, bring out your test notebook, we're having a test. How many of you, when they do that, how many of you have been in school and they did that? Some of your teachers did that. I've been in school and they did that. And you are going, Ugh. or you go, yes. Who are the people who go, yes? The ones who have been practicing, the ones who have been reading, the ones who have been preparing, the ones who have even gone through old question papers. Who are the people who go, ah, which is usually most of the class. Everybody keep quiet. Keep quiet. They're writing the test. And then the teacher just begins to write it on the board. And grumbling, you look at some, you know some, isn't it? You look at some, you don't know some. Now, if you are wise, usually that test comes up before exam, isn't it? Way ahead of the exam. So if you are wise, even if you scored 30, you scored 40, what do you then do? You now realize the exam is coming. You then now go back and you now begin to reach. Now, what has the teacher done for you? Has the teacher given you a test to fail you? No. The teacher has given you a test to get you to be stirred up, to know that there's an exam coming, so that you then prepare for the exam and you do not fail the ultimate exam. All we're doing here on earth is preparing for that final exam. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will receive the things that we have done in our body, whether it is good or bad. See, as we're doing all these tests, even the ones that we fail, if we go back and we learn, and we go and look at why did I fail? Why did I do wrong there? How could I have failed the test of God? And you prayerfully ask God to reveal to you. You prayerfully correct all those areas. What happens? You then get yourself ready for the next exam, and by the grace of God, for the final exam. So that when we all stand before God, which we all will, he may say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Remember, the eyes of the Lord, they're moving to and fro. This morning in this church, God's eyes are moving. For some, it may be that he wants to give them a job that will control maybe thousands, maybe even millions of people. For some, he may want to give them a, a job that has to do with power, that has to do with authority, that has to do even with the entire nation. But what God will check first is your heart. And if your heart is right, God will promote you. He will show himself strong on your behalf. Remember also that sometimes we'll fight some battles in life. Some of it, we will not even understand where the battle is coming from. But remember again that God wants to show himself how strong on your behalf. It is the heart we look at. Do you know the Bible says that if your enemy has done you wrong and God is judging your enemy and you begin to rejoice over that. Do you know the Bible actually says God will do what? He will now stop. But when your heart is so pure towards everybody, even when God wants to judge some boys, judge you are the one asking for mercy that says, I can't use you. The man that had a heart 
So good. We saw him as a leader that was exceptional. And that was Moses. You know, as he was leading those people out, remember that before he even led them out of Egypt, they were already misbehaving. When Pharaoh would bring, you know, another more difficult thing. Ah, the Bible says those people would look at him and say, well, God, God will judge you. That's what they were saying. Yet he had been sent to them as a deliverer. Then finally they went out of Egypt. Are you listening to me? And then they got to that Red Sea and then they saw the enemy. What did they do again? They attacked him again as a leader. What did he do again? He too cried out to God. God told him what to do and they came out of there. Finally, they got to this place where God now told him to come and collect the Ten Commandments. And as he went up, fasting and praying, having an encounter with God, what happened to these same people again? They began to say, where is Moses? We don't know what has happened to him. He has disappeared. Let's make for ourselves gods that will lead us out of, out of where? Out of this place. In fact, they wanted gods that would take them back, back to Egypt. And the Bible says, the earrings, the gold, the wealth that God had given them, they made it into what? Into an idol. And when they made this idol, they said, okay, begin to bow before it, begin to do all that before it. Now listen, and Moses came, and when he saw them worshipping an idol, forgetting about the God who had brought them out of so much difficulty, he himself became what? Became angry. Broke the tablets of stone, began to apportion judgment. Then God said to him, so God said, okay, fine, let me destroy these people. I've seen their stiff-necked people. I will make of you a great nation. That promise I gave to Abraham, I will restart it with you. But what did Moses do? A man with a perfect heart. He began to plead with God. He wasn't now thinking, yes, I will now be the one like Abraham. You see, a test of his own heart too. He pleaded with God and God said, okay, I've heard you. I've listened to you. But as I live, oh, <coughs> hello, said, all oh, these people that have tested me these 10 times, they are not going to get into, they're not going to get into the, the promised land. That heart that will plead even for people that have been rebelling against him for so long, that's the kind of heart that we must have as leaders. God is going to promote every one of us. God is going to give us people under us but make sure that your heart towards God remains pure. Now at the end of the day, listen to this, it's not about the people. Are you listening to me? At the end of the day, it's about you and your relationship with God. If you allow people to push you to a point, you will also sin against God, which is what happened to Moses ultimately. Learn that at the end of it all, it's about my God, it's about my heart. And if I serve God with a perfect heart, he will show himself strong on my behalf in every area of life. When you are quarreling with people, even at home, you are quarreling with siblings, don't allow it to get beyond bounds. Understand that what if this is what is a test of my heart. I always tell people that the way you relate with your siblings at home is an indication of how you relate with your spouse when you finally get married. All right? So realize that it's not just about this time. It's about the future. God is going to promote the people in this church to unusual great heights. Great heights in this nation. Great heights in the area of finances. Great heights in the area of their family. God will make the people in this church have a family name that is resounding for generations to come. God will make the people of this church, people with authority, people with a scepter, people who will rule and reign. I am seeing people in this church who will have billions, not just in Naira, but billions even in pound sterling. Billions even in Naira. I'm seeing people who will do intercontinental businesses. I'm seeing people who will be in control of corporations. I'm seeing people who will be on boards, on international boards. I'm seeing people who will be, yes, part of the board of companies and organizations that they never even started. Because God has found your heart faithful. Because God has looked at your heart and he has seen in it what he can use. I'm seeing people that God will give, uh, not just you authority, but I'm seeing people that God will even make your children have authority. God will raise some of your children even to occupy positions of authority in foreign lands. Uh, yes, God will make some of your people even to rule and to reign even in this land. And God says, I will do it only because your heart is perfect towards me. Let's begin to talk to God. Say, God, your eyes are moving to and fro. There's anything in my heart that will not allow me to be picked by you, to be selected. 
even for that noble job, for that noble position, to be put in authority, to rule and reign, wherein I can help people for your glory, for your glory, for your glory. Oh, basanta senke lembra pasta. Let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. Don't fail in the area of assignment. Don't fail when it comes to increase. Don't fail when it comes to hardship. Whatever test, whatever areas, in the area of fading glory, don't fail in that area. Ask God to help you to keep your heart pure. Ask God to help you. Maybe you are already supervising people. Maybe you are already leading people. To not allow yourself to become a bad person. Because of the way people are treating you. To keep your heart pure. Let's pray and let's talk to God. God help me to keep my heart pure. Help me to keep my heart perfect before you. Help me to be sure, such that I will never sin against you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Pray, pray, pray. Pray and talk to God. That you will not be like Saul. Who will spare some of the best. Because he wants to use it himself. He will not be like Saul. Who is always allowing people to take him away from the will of God. Let's pray and let's talk to God. God help me to keep my heart pure. Irrespective of what other Nigerians are doing. Irrespective of what people are doing all around me. They may be changing weights. They may be changing measures. They may be changing figures. But God help me to keep my heart pure. Help me oh God not to be disrespectful the rule of authority that you have set over me. Because one day you will also put me even in higher authority. Help me oh God to keep my heart pure. To keep my heart noble. Oh let's talk to God this morning. Let's talk to God this morning. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. Please follow us on our social media handles.